All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Everyone Has a Story podcast. Joining me today is dog training and motivational speaker extraordinaire. Please welcome my friend, Mr. Hector Hernandez. Hey, thank you for having me, Chad. Oh, thanks for coming on, buddy. I'm glad I caught you. You're busy as a one-legged man in a dance contest, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel that way, but in a good way. It's not a a bad stress. It's a good stress, if I can say that, Chad. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you know... uh, the, I think the worst thing you can do is just sit down and stop moving, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, I uh, I think, you know, my dad passed away a few weeks ago, and it kind of puts things in perspective on how important your time is valuable. Yeah. Time is more valuable than money. It's more valuable than anything. Yeah. And we forget that sometimes. And I like to keep myself busy. And my goal, of course, is to help people. Right. And there's always something to do to help people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry to hear your father pass too. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I didn't He's 95. And oh. I, hey, you know, what can I say? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I hope this doesn't sound wrong, but at 95, I think he had a pretty good run, you know? I, I, I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. Mm-hmm. There, there, there could have even been times at ninety-five where he was looking at his watch like, "All right, enough, enough already now." <laughs> you know, but what I did is I really reflected. I put myself in his shoes. I, I'm big. I'm a big individual when it talks when I talk about empathy. Huge, because that's something that we have to all have, and it's gradually deleting from us for many reasons. But I put myself in his shoes, and I said what would I say to myself if he, if I was where he was? And the biggest one I is, what am I doing to value my time? Mm -hmm. What am I doing? What, what am I doing to create this ripple effect that when I die, it, there's a ripple effect about me. Right. And that's what I want to leave. My, my, my life should not end at the grave. I want to leave a huge ripple effect. Right. Well, and I think it's, Of course, this is just my opinion, but I think it's important for the human spirit to have some sort of purpose in your life, you know? Uh, And if it's just something as small as, uh, you know, having enough bird feeders to feed all the birds in your neighborhood, if that's what it is for you, then do it. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, you know, but there's, and I, you know, I, I don't know... I guess I'm not educated enough to to fully understand this, but I think a lot of, uh, especially Americans, are are were marketed and directed in certain ways. And right, uh, the capitalism. Um, but remember, when I do public speaking, I really have to be careful, Chad, because you can go secular or you can go, you know, theist. And I'm a theist, so. I want to. I want to talk about. Yes, I do value myself. I do think that I have intrinsic worth, and because of that, I want to love people and share what I know and share what I've learned. So it, it makes it a little difficult. Like you said you know, before our show, you know, you, you can split the room up when you when you go secular or, or theist. Right. But I'm who I am. That's who I am, and I can't change that. So I will go a theist, maybe not so drastic and so in your face, but it does navigate to that. Sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, but, you know, getting back to, I guess, my original thought, I think, I think if more people had that right purpose, that thing that touches their soul going on in their life, right. that, uh, that, that they might find that some other things that, that feel incredibly turbulent to them maybe wouldn't necessarily be carrying quite as much weight because they wouldn't be so upfront and in their face anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I find my purpose is not about me. It's about others. It's about feeding my soul to others. And then in return, they feed it right back. Right. You know, you make people laugh and they feed you. Yeah. So it, it's, yeah. Just, it's, a, it's a give and take, but in a way, it, it's just, it's so positive. You know, when I do some amount of my, some of my motivational speaking, it, you can feel it. I mean, I'm giving it all to them and they give it right back. Yeah. It's like, here's something free and they give it right back. Yeah. Yeah. In the stand-up comedy world, there's, there is definitely an instant, uh, I guess you could say gratification, uh, yeah. you know, but sometimes it's negative and sometimes it's positive, but you find out right away how you're doing. You know, there's no, but, but in, in, this is, this is another thing that I want to make clear to, to me and you, not just you, but to me is that failure is a good thing. It's oh, sure. not bad. It's a positive thing Yeah. Um, because we don't learn much from being success. We don't learn that. We just learned that at work, but my failures have really made what I'm doing more successful. Oh, sure. And I even tell kids that I said, it's good to fail, but our school is designed that when you, when you fail, it's bad. It's not, yeah. Yeah. it's very, very good to fail. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's all now focused on not wanting anybody to be down or be depressed, uh, you know, and along with that, you know, you hear people talk about it all the time, the whole, everybody gets a participation trophy yeah. and stuff. And it, I think it, I think it, it actually works negatively because, you know, all the way through from preschool all the way up, you know, you're, you're kind of taught uh, as a group that it works one way. And then the day after graduation, when you hit the real world, you find out yeah. that that's not true. It's not but true. They're, they're not prepared for it either. You know, one of the things that I, that I myself had trouble with is rejection. And and failure. And to be honest with you, it was really hard to the point where it really bothered me. And I started to get depressed. But then I started to go the theological way because I learned that suffering and pain was good, especially in small doses, not in yeah. big doses. <laughs> but it was good because you learn something from it. Yeah. And even then you have a big dose of a, of a crisis, you know, you put yourself together. What can you learn from this? What can you share from that experience? But you know what? If you've never faced that during your childhood, you're right. It becomes a huge tornado. And I can use that word tornado when it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of sends everything off the rails because it, you know, if you, if you all of a sudden are thrust into a situation and you don't know how to handle it, it puts enough pressure on you, at least I think, to mess with other things going on yeah. in your life, you know? And well, well Chad, and, and, and this is one thing that I really want to make clear is if we don't know, especially us men, we don't talk about it. Yeah. We don't want to talk about our emotions. We don't know how to process. We don't know how to talk about how this thing made me feel and so on. We don't want to be vulnerable. And it's even worse for us. Yeah. And evidence to that is the suicide rate in certain jobs. Yeah. Or even in failure. Um, failure meaning the lack of hope. Yeah. I mean, the lack of hope is, I think it's missing because of that. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, how many you know how many examples do we all have of of uh, a dad or an uncle or a neighbor or a buddy's dad that worked his whole life and uh, slaved away and took care of his family and six months after he retired, massive heart attack, boom, gone. Correct. You know, one of one of my uh, topics that I teach around the country is how to deal with difficult people, and towards the end. I mentioned um, finding a hobby that'll carry you over into retirement. So while you're working, you're also having this hobby. So this hobby will make you feel good coming back to work. Yeah. And in return, by the 25 years, you're good at what you're doing. Yeah. Even if you were really crappy at what you were doing in the beginning, you're going to be good after 25 years. Yeah. So therefore, it gives you a purpose when you get out of when you retire. And when you're tired, then you find your that's your other job. And it's something that you love. Well, now, it, it, I know just by uh, seeing uh, the jet set lifestyle that you live via Facebook, because uh, every time I see you, you're somewhere different. I like I when I first realized that you were uh, touring around the country doing what you do, I thought to myself, God, did Hector become an airline pilot? What, how is he going all over the place? Did <laughs> he steal an airline? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, am I going to yeah. get questioned and have to deny knowing the guy? I don't know who that is. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, well, in 2019, I visited 30 states. Wow. Um, and, and, and just different, yeah, Just I just started to do public speak. I have always done public speaking. Right. But I never really threw it out there on Facebook or anything until until I really said, okay, it's, it's time for me to do it. But yeah, I do. I travel a lot. I've been to a lot of places. People are people. I love people uh, regardless. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, that's, I just love doing it. Now, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe I haven't seen it, but it's imprinted in my head quite a bit. You, you do a lot of uh, dog awareness work for like the post office and, and uh, maybe even did I see maybe some UPS and FedEx in there too? Yep, yep, I do. Um, anybody that in their job um, would involve or entail getting attacked by a dog, I, I do talks for. Okay. And like you said, the Postal Service, the uh, UPS, FedEx, uh, utility workers, uh, linemen, consumers energy, all those I, I do talks for. Wow. Now, how long have you actually been involved in the dog training world now? 1982. Wow. That ages me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. 1982, I trained my own dog. And then I started to um, just, I, I didn't know how to speak very well. And I didn't know how to write very well. So dogs navigated me to something that I could do. I yeah. felt satisfied in doing it, a response. Now, being very uh, transparent and vulnerable here, the way I trained was not the way that I train now. Back then, it was very aggressive as far as the individual, very uh -huh. aggressive, very domineering methods. And it's 360 till now. Now, my, my whole goal now is when I train is hands are for love. <laughs> they are. And then back back then was you use your hands and you tell this dog who's running the show. So I started in 82. I started police dogs in 86. But when I started, it was just out of fun. It wasn't, I wasn't even getting paid for it. I was just, I loved it. It kept me out of trouble. 
It kept me in a group. It kept me, um, you know, with a combined hobby that other people liked. And then mm -hmm. I just start doing it. Wow. 80, 82, you said, right? Yeah. 82. Well, I would have been six in 82. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I first started training my own dog. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, ninth grade at the time. Wow. <laughs> but but I, I started and then it just now I developed my own method of training through failure. Right. Through failure, I want to make that clear. Through failure, I learned my, I developed my own method of training, um, where it literally takes me less than an hour to train a dog completely off leash. Wow. And I post a lot of my stuff online. And mm -hmm. if, if you don't see Chad, you see a lot of my information is free. Okay. I mean, a tremendous amount of information is free. Now, when you say post online, are you just talking about just on your Facebook, or you got like I'm sure you got a lot of videos on YouTube and stuff like yeah. that as well. I mean, like my website or YouTube or my Facebook, um, Okay. those three platforms. And then what I do is I try to give all my information free because I was getting so many phone calls. I was getting between 50 to 100 a day. And wow. I said, I can't handle this. But because I love people, I was forced <laughs> to write stuff down and then help them. So yeah. right now, I think I counted over 30, almost 40 around 40 flyers of new information. Just a just bunch of free information. Somebody calls me, I send them a flyer. They go to my website, boom, there's a flyer. So they don't, they don't take away my time, but then I still help them. Sure. Wow, that's, that's, that's outstanding that you can reach people and help them. And quite honestly, you don't see it very often anymore where people are getting the content for free. You know, well, one of the things, again, to go back to my ripple effect, you know, when I die, I want that ripple effect there. Sure. You know, it's free because to me, I have intrinsic worth and I want to share that. So if it's something that that I have that others don't or others need, here it is. You shouldn't have to pay for it. Um, now, I'm not saying that I don't get paid for training. But there's uh, special circumstances where dogs have to come and see me because maybe they're too dangerous. Okay. I mean, maybe they're completely out of control. But then you need a little more hands-on. But for right. the most part, I got an email today. Great. I got all your information. That's all I needed. Can I send you money? I mean, literally. And that, there is a place in my website where you can do that. But sure. For the most part, you don't, they don't have to. It's, it's good. It's, it, remember, it's payment for me for them for me to help them and then they help somebody else with the same information right now in uh, again correct me if i'm wrong but i if memory serves me correctly there was some military service in your life too right yep i was uh the marine corps in 86 um i went to, uh, to boot camp june of 86 february of 86 and then i got out and then i did reserves for four years i got recalled for desert storm and then i came back Okay. And then I started training again. And then uh, it just, I started doing my public speaking really serious around 2000. Okay. Wow. Now, you said 30 states in 2019, right? Correct. So obviously, uh, the Rona slowed down your progress just as much as it slowed down my entertainment industry process. Well, it, it, it slowed down, but... It was good. It was a good slowdown because 
like I tell people, 2020 gave me a clear vision, pun intended, about <laughs> what's important. And what's yeah. important is family. What's important is how can I help people? Yeah. And, and, and that's when I started to write all my flyers in 2020. Um, to me, it was good. Even though I wasn't public speaking, I was still dog training, right. you know, and I was still, um, I started to even develop my show, the Canine Man Show, um, because I couldn't get to people. And I said, okay, some people want to hear me. So then I start doing my show. So to me, it was a very, I made it a positive thing. Sure. It wasn't going to take me down. I made it a positive thing. <laughs> well, that's good. And now going forward, uh, is your schedule starting to fill up more and more uh, looking forward into the future where you're going to be back to uh, uh, yeah. being out of town on a regular basis? Yeah, it has, Chad. But, um, prior or pre-COVID, um, I had about probably about a, a year waiting list for my public speaking. Oh, wow. And now it's about, I think it's about three months. Okay. So it's, 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 it's okay, but yeah. it, I don't care. You know, if, if I don't do public speaking, I'm doing something else. Right. If I'm not doing something else, I do something else. So I just try to keep myself busy in a way that I'm only allowed 24 hours a day, get right. to work. And then yeah. even, even in that mix, I'm also an, an advocate and, you know, for, for, um, for victims. So I try to help people that, uh, who are not getting the help that they should. And I don't want to talk about our criminal justice system here, but it's not the best, although <laughs> oh, it's probably the best in the world. It's not the best. Yeah, I am and, and sometimes, you know, people need help. So I'm, I'm, I'm even doing that even when I can. Yeah. So to me, 2020, it, it really, really brought to me what's important. And I mentioned that in my, one of my talks, on, um, on um, top employee performance. My talk on top employee performance, really mentioned how important it was to see to see the stuff that 2020 got. Now, when you do your, uh, and forgive me for just labeling it as uh, like motivational speaking, because I don't necessarily know if that's exactly what it is or if there's a bigger dynamic to it, but... Uh, well, is it a broad spectrum of topics that you cover? Uh, like, let's say, for example, General Electric wants to bring you into their corporate headquarters and have, you know, have a talk with their employees. Is it, do you just have, okay, today's topic is A, B, and C, or is it um, a, 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 a wide variety of different topics that you discuss it's in a, the given time that you have? In, in short, I like for it to be motivational, but when I leave, and I tell them this in the beginning, it's more challenging, personally challenging, because in my talk, I want to challenge them. I don't want them just to feel good. I want to find out why you're feeling the way you do, because it interferes with your work performance. Sure. I want to find out that your subconscious is being hijacked to where you're not even you're not even thinking about what you're doing wrong and your safety's at risk and you're doing it. So a lot of the times it is motivational because I'm very upbeat and I love what I do, but it's also challenging. For example, there's been a there's it's not uncommon to get a few people crying while I'm talking. Oh wow. because I've hit a subject in their heart that really means a lot. Sure. And one of the ones that I, I talk to them, especially when I talk to law enforcement, 
I say, it is very important for you guys to stay married. And I always get chuckles, they laugh. And I'm like, why are you guys laughing? Because a lot of you guys commit suicide during divorce or breakup. Yeah. It is imperative that you stay married. And then it, it, then they start to think, okay, you're motivating. Now you're challenging me. And, and that's a challenge that I, that I hold to them because it is important that they stay married. And not just police, anybody. So then I, go, I talk about why, why it's important to stay married. And then I go into even, okay, tell me who your wife is. And a lot of the people don't even know who their wife is. They don't know their favorite color, their favorite flower, their favorite day, their favorite uh, foods. And, and that's where I want to make it. Now I'll make a parallel. Let me challenge you, supervisors. Who are your employees? Hmm. And, and I just, and it's a ripple effect. And that's a challenging thing. I'm not, I'm, yes, I'm motivating, but I'm challenging them. Get to know your employees. If you want to have a good workforce, then create a relationship with your employees. But don't forget about your wife because you got to stay married. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, you, uh, when you're talking about talking to the law enforcement community, I've got this book. Oh, it's it's on my bookshelf downstairs. I, I'll i have to send you like a picture of it later because uh, I think you might enjoy it. I, it's about the, um, uh, the cause and effects of hypervigilance within the law enforcement world. And when I first started reading it, I, I just, I can't remember where I heard about it, but it starts off a little bit slow. Uh, but then it, it, all of a sudden I started reading this book and I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is me. This is the things that I, like, it becomes so second nature to you to pay attention to everything all the time that the book starts to talk about the importance of when you need to actually turn that switch off. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Yep. And it, it, what's great about when I started doing this presentation I can also make parallels to dogs because <laughs> that's where, look, okay, dogs need an on and off switch. If not, yeah. they're going to become, and then you're going to have a dangerous dog. And with people, you're right. Um, I can make parallels for law enforcement. One of the things I tell them is it's good to be hypervigilant. You stay safe, but when's your off switch? Yeah. And then the biggest mistake that law enforcement has is their off switch is friends in law enforcement. Yep. And that's worse because they can't stop talking about law enforcement. Yep. So I tell them, you're going to have a hard time finding friends who are not in law enforcement, but you need to. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and with it, me, I have to not have find friends who don't like dogs. And that's hard because <laughs> when I find somebody who likes dogs, they just talk about dogs. Yeah. I'm going to talk about dogs. I'm going to talk about the sky. I'm going to talk about how pretty this is or how, you know, something totally different. But it's hard. And it's that mindset. And then even to take a step further, Chad, is what you listen to, what you hear, what you watch, all of that gets ingrained in 95% of your thinking, which is subconscious. Yeah. And that is what really you need to really focus on more than anything. You know, it's funny you say that because I stopped working in Detroit in 2007, and I think it was probably 2004 or 2005 i quit watching the news like to this day i still now don't get me wrong 
if it's severe weather or in the summertime, you know, you got a tornado warning or whatever, I'll click it on so I can see the radar and see what they're talking about as far as that, that stuff goes. But I don't watch whether it's the local news or the national news or Fox or CNN or, or any of those other programs because I just realized that I needed to take a step away from that because it's 99% horrible. And then there's a, you know, a fun little story at the end. Yeah. Let me challenge you with the news or with anything that you watch. Could be any okay. show. Watch it through the eye, not with the eye. Meaning, think about what their intent is and what you're listening to. Don't just watch it. Right. And so when I watch something, I really focus. Why are they saying this to me? And why is a good word? Why? Do they have an agenda? Is sure it going do. somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It really makes you challenge. It challenges you because now when I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, that's not right. That's when I say that, when I say that's not right, that I say there, this is how I felt. I felt my empathy was going away when I watch a movie with violence. When I watch a movie um, that has um, a fear, okay, it's taken away my feeling and it's making me in a negative mindset i always tell myself that i'm watching it but i'm watching it through my eye not with my eye Mm -hmm. just know know that empathy is extremely important and if it takes it away just recognize it because you're right you don't want to not know what the news is you don't want to not know what's going on in this world but understand that they also have an agenda yeah, or they uh, also have a purpose or in some cases with the news, I don't want to get in this, you know, where, where fake news or they're lying. They just don't know the totality of the circumstances on why they're, they're um, even making this news. Those people are just like me or you. Yeah. So if I watch the news and they don't give me the full story, it's because maybe that's, they got limited time. That's all they can give you. Now it's your job to find out the full story. You know, and I, I, I feel like I sound like an 80 year old man when I say this, but I wish the news could go back to when it was just like Walter Cronkite was America's grandfather and he just sat there and read the news and that was it. Now, I understand that even back when that was happening, there was still an agenda behind it. It just wasn't, it wasn't so pronounced like right out there. Uh, the way that it is now, but it's, uh, you know, it's it, 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 in anything, violence and sex sell. Yes. And violence and sex sells so that's, quickly. You know, and then they, uh, you know, they always give you a feel good story right at the end so they don't send you to bed depressed. <laughs> violence and sex take away empathy. Yeah. 100%. They, they take away the empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you start not to see this person as a human being and you, in both aspects of it. Especially when I talk to kids with a uh, porn addiction, they don't see women as women. They see women as objects. Yeah, It's just something to get gratified about. Or yeah. violence. I'm beating the hell out of this guy and winning. And you're watching this guy bl- blood all over him and you're cheering. What the hell is wrong with us? <laughs> and that's something that I look at, not with the eye, but through my eye. Yeah. Because even if they have an agenda, you can see through it if you're focusing and you're paying attention. You can see through it. Yeah. And, and I even have an agenda when I talk. I mean, I, even I have one. So it's not like they're different or they're better or worse than me. I mean, we all have one. We yeah. just get to know what it is. I like to challenge you and challenge people to figure 
to figure yours and theirs out. Yeah. And it's interesting when you when you take a look at it at things like you said uh through your eyes, you know? Uh yeah. um you know when you take a step back and 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 start to and it doesn't even necessarily have to be the news or or a movie or or a TV right. show when you start looking at the world as a whole like that. You know, sometimes that can be like uh almost like a life-changing like whoa wait a minute i didn't realize all this was going on whoa you know <laughs> we haven't even talked about music yet yeah music yeah. can really get into your subconscious oh yeah we haven't even talked about that well my oldest yeah. my oldest son gave me an article the other day and i just uh, i have not had a chance to read it yet uh, and partially because I think that it's going to make my brain start going a thousand miles an hour, and I'm going to journey down this research wormhole that the I don't rabbit have. Hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where you know, like most uh, music is generated on a certain um, uh, megahertz wave because your body reacts to that megahertz wave differently than others. So it's, and I'm going to screw it up because I didn't read far enough into it to really be able to talk about it intelligently. But I read the first paragraph of this article and I'm like, Oh, I can't read this right now because I'll be up for two days. You know? (laughs) Yeah. What I get out of music is emotionalism. Yeah. You know, they get you in an emotional state. And remember when you're in a high emotional state, you're no longer using your logic. No. You're using feelings. Yep. Just remember that. This is why when I listen to certain preachers, uh-uh, too much emotionalism. I yep. don't not going to deal with this. Um, uh, not going to happen because yep. the true word is very challenging. I don't want to be emotionalized. I'm going to be challenged. Yeah. Yeah. In, because in, in music, music in the beginning can get you really at a high emotional state. Well, your logic is gone anymore. Guess who does very good at that? Con men. Yeah. Con men will get you so emotionally driven. It's called under the ether. They'll get you at a high emotional state where your logic is gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All those endorphins start pumping through you. Yep. You're, you're, all your endorphins start to get released. You get a little bit of that dopamine in the brain. And you're yep. like, yeah, that sounds like a yeah. great idea. You know? I had a lady yesterday in my, I had a lady come to me yesterday. I'm going to be a little transparent because I'm not going to say her name. But when she came into my building, she was a bully. She bullied me right from the get-go. As soon as I opened the door, she bullied me. Now, how do you say she bullied me? She tried to intimidate me. Come on in, ma'am. That's what I was going to do, sir. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, I knew right from the get-go, she's a bully. In short, without getting too much about it, I had to ask her to leave. That was the first time in, in uh in 20 years, 21 years, I had to ask somebody to leave. I couldn't train them. But she called me names. She belittled me. But all of that was designed to get me under the ether and make a mistake. I could tell. I read her. Yeah. And because I teach it, it helped me. But yeah. that's what they try to do. And I don't like that. And that's what a lot of shows, to go back on our question, shows, music, that's all designed to do that. But the thing with music, it could actually brainwash you because you're saying the words over and over in your head. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the beat sounds good. Yeah. And that's yeah. not good. Yeah, if you, it doesn't matter. I think sometimes it doesn't matter what the message is. If the beat is within your enjoyability zone, yeah. the rest of it, it just kind of, yep. 
Yes. Yep. You can yes. sit in your you chair and your head starts to rock to that, the, the bass is getting hit every so often. Yeah. And you, you start to feel that rhythm and you just kind of absorb in the background. I think sometimes the, 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 the words that are used within the song. Yeah. I, there's, a, there's another parallel that I make with people is love bombing. How somebody, when you first meet them, will love bomb you to try to emotionalize you. And then, then you find out their true self, yeah. you know? So yeah, emotions. And because we lead with emotions, it makes us very difficult. It makes things very difficult. But then in one of my talks, I also talk about how to gain emotional competence and emotional maturity. And those two things, once you reach emotional competence and emotional maturity, you're not, you're able to see that manipulation. You're able to not get emotionally driven and make an, a, a, a decision that, uh, that you regret because you're not using your logic. Yeah. But it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, even like in my work professionally in, in the law enforcement world, I'd have to have a little bit more access to like accurate crime numbers, but just right off the top of my head, I'm going to say that probably 65 to 70% of the people that end up going to jail, it's because their emotions got away from them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, don't get me wrong. There are, there are some psychopath and sociopaths out there that don't need that part of the, the mix to do what they do. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you're talking about impulsive behavior. Yeah. Without, they just do it because they're emotionally driven. Yeah. That but instant, it, right. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's a domestic violence situation or, you know, a bar fight or, or, you know, somebody hasn't eaten in three days and they see grandma coming out of the pharmacy and they could get that purse out of the cart real quick without her knowing about it. All those things that people do, you know, that, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, cause I, you don't see it too much on the videos that they put all over YouTube and on the news, but the the vast majority of people, when they finally find themselves in the booking room and, and reality is sitting in as to what has happened to them, yeah. that's when the empathy starts to come out of them. Like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I should have never done this. And, you know, I, yeah. being the pessimist that I am, because, you know, uh, let's be honest, 99% of the population lies to me when I'm wearing certain clothes. You know, the, nobody tells the police the truth, not even grandmama, you know, because she could be a nice church going uh, holy woman. But if she knows that the police are looking for her grandson upstairs, she's going to lie to the police and say she hasn't seen him in a week because she's going to protect her family. Yeah. I get that, you know. Uh, right. But so when I hear a lot of that empathy at, at the end result where, you know, OK, Jimmy, we're going to get your fingerprints now. And, the, you know, oh, my God, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, I think. <laughs> I think 50% well, of that. You're going to the cell room with Bob, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I think 50% of that empathy is real, and I think 50% of that empathy is, is uh, you know, I don't want to say exaggerated. I guess I'm not sure exactly how to put it where, you know. Empathy shares the pain when yeah. sympathy is just uh, singular. So they pretty much just have empathy with themselves. They don't really yeah. care about the other person, Yeah. You know? Yeah, they, they, they don't. It's all about them. Yeah, they'd much rather be at home now than than getting ready to, you know, walk in, walk into this room and sleep on this concrete floor, you know. Or, you know, if I would have heard someone say, you know, I wish I could 
you know, tell her sorry, or I wish I wouldn't have hurt her. But really, a lot of the times, you like what you said, it's all about them. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done this. Wait a minute. You just, what about her yeah. or him? Think about what you did to them. Think about the long-term effect that you caused on this individual. Yeah. And you're not thinking about that. That's, well, that's, I tell people a lot on the street, you know, every decision you make every single day comes with a consequence. Sometimes those consequences are very positive, but sometimes they're also very negative. And you have to be willing to accept the consequences of every decision you make every single day, whether you get caught doing the wrong thing or not, you know, um, you know, and some people I will grasp exactly what I, what I'm trying to convey to them. But some people just look at me like I'm trying to teach fourth, fourth year chemistry at a college level. You know, they're like, what? Uh, <laughs> That's the way I would look at it. Yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, you know, it's I mean, it's complex for them. It, it yeah. is. And again, not to say that they're smarter or dumber than you. They just think different than you. Yeah. And that you hope something really, really uh, resonates with them sooner or later. But it's it's tough. And you, you know, and and I talk to other law enforcement people. I tell them you're not responsible for someone else's actions. Right. You're just there. I mean, and a lot of times they take they take responsibility for that. I said, no, 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 don't do that. That's their actions that's their responsibility yeah it's you know i i will tell you this though i think a lot of us feel like let's say uh you know obviously i'm going to make this name up here right but let's just say uh jimmy smith that lives over there at the corner house he's constantly breaking in all his neighbors houses and breaking in their cars and stealing all their stuff uh but he you know he slips through the cracks and doesn't necessarily get he's just smart enough to avoid ring doorbells and cameras and doesn't leave fingerprints and all that stuff. But, you know, now you got the whole neighborhood looking at you going, we know he's doing it. Why can't you guys do anything about, you know, it's sometimes you take on that responsibility or that weight just simply because even though everybody in that neighborhood collectively is strong enough to be able to stand up to him and probably put enough pressure on him where he thinks, yeah, probably should move over to the other side of town. But in, in the way that, that human nature has, has ebbed and flowed, especially over the last 20 years, people don't even talk to their neighbors anymore. So, uh, you know, there, I think everybody's like afraid of that, that, that confrontation, you know, where, you know, they all look to someone such as myself to be able to handle that for them. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of weight to carry on something that you have, a, don't have a lot of control of. Right. Yeah. 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 I get that. And then a lot of good law enforcement, they want to help people. They go for the job to help people with altruistic behavior. And that makes it even more heavy on them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it there is there's a lot of weight that gets carried on this job that doesn't have anything to do with just the horrible things that we have to see and deal with. There, there there's other stressors involved too. That's why, like I, I yeah, like, like, like like administration like, and politics. Yeah. Well, that's I, I'm going to be honest with you. I would tolerate every single thing on the street without skipping a beat if I just didn't have to deal with the carpeted end of the building where the big bosses work yeah, at. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I get, I believe me. I talk and, and we talk about that. We talk dealing with the bad administrator. We talk about dealing with the bad boss. We yeah. talk about dealing with a bad supervisor. And that's one of the first things I talk about 
when I talk about how we, we are led by emotions, I mentioned emotions are contagious supervisors. You have to come in a, good, in a good mood every day because you set the tone for everybody. And then I talk about get to know your employees, who they are, not what they are. Because like you said, you could deal with everything on the road, but these pressures, you know, with administration, with the po policies and with the, and with the um, politics makes it really, really heavy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually harder to deal with because it's, it's all the time. You know, like if you go to a run and that runs really stressful, but at some point that run is going to end, right? And then you're right. going to go on to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one where dealing with the administrative end of the government is just it's in your it's in your face it's all encompassing it never stops yeah. you know just yeah. when you like oh my god here we go again with this or what we're doing this now i mean are you kidding me you know and it's just <laughs> and that's with any job though too yeah where you know where you feel very vulnerable and helpless to the changes and you know the things that are happening around you you're very very vulnerable so again you you're dealing with with people who need hope so you better come in a good mood supervisor and you yeah. better know your employees <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you want a productive effective yeah. workforce and even more important uh chad to take it a step further when i talk when i talk and i give my speeches the one of the first things i say to them is you're you're subject to being safe if you're in a better mood yeah Get in a bad mood, you're going to get injured. You're going to make a mistake. Yeah. So you're you you have to be in a good mood when you come to work. So you so your safety is higher, not lower. Yeah, and it's even if you come to work in a good mood. So there are there are times where you can you can be forced into a bad mood by no choices of your own. Uh, yes. and, and it, and it becomes difficult to, I got to shake that off and, you know, and that's where we find, that's where we find ways of dealing with stuff like that, because it will affect your job because it is out of your control. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I say to myself, it's, it's completely out of my control. I, I, I have to move on and do this. And, well, I have found myself as I get older and become the elder statesman around the place that I work at, I found myself saying things to the younger guys now that i used to go whatever to 25 yeah, years ago. yeah 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 you know like the, listen you you can't spend that much time and energy getting mad at somebody that's only pissed at you because of the clothes that you got on your body they don't know who you are they don't know what your kids mm -hmm. names are they don't know that you sneak milky ways when nobody's looking you know like relax yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. they, they just well, don't in, like in, in one of my talks I talk about um, how not to take things personal. Yeah. And it's a good slide. And I, it's a very emotional driven slide because we can't take things personal in your line of work, in any line of work. You know, the lady yesterday called me a mental patient. I could not take things <laughs> personal when she said that. I mean, I know I'm not. But right. Or if someone calls me um, uh, a derogatory word that... I don't want to. I don't want to say it because you know you're on, on a podcast here. But let's say they call me a um, a uh, a negative word about my race. Right. So one of the things I, I tell people is, I didn't have a choice. I was going to be who I am. Right. I didn't have a choice. You know, 
And that helps me. And if I give them like five things to think about how not to take things personal, and there hasn't been one person that said to me after hearing these slide is, wow, that's what I needed. So it didn't affect my day. Yeah. Yesterday, it didn't affect my day. I called my daughter, I vented to her, and I moved on. But, um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it can be that simple if you know how. Right. If you know how not to take things personal. And in certain jobs like law enforcement, they just hate you because you're uniform. Really? Yeah. That's pretty, they don't know anything about you. Yeah. And, no, it's, and it's... So, so they, why would you take that personal? Well, I mean, you know, some of it comes from being, you know, you being young when you start doing the job itself, you don't necessarily have uh, enough life experience to understand the difference, you know, because people will. Well, that's a good you know, point. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll say a lot of derogatory stuff towards us and, and turn it personal because they're trying to accomplish a goal. They're trying to piss you off so that way you do something stupid and, uh, you know, maybe they uh, you got them for three strong arm robberies where they knocked old ladies down and took their purses, but they goat you into getting sucked in. You know, and you take the first punch instead of that person. Well, guess what? That's now, emotionalism, Chad. Yeah, that's yeah. emotionalism. That's not being emotionally competent and emotionally yep. mature. Yep. And and, and that's I wasn't what, there until I was in my forties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what happens I mean, that's to a lot of younger it. guys. They just you know, so I try and explain it at least to the younger guys that I work with, like, listen, relax, dude. It's okay. It, you know, take five minutes and be upset about it, but that guy doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know anything about you. Like let it go. You know, if you were just here in jeans and a hoodie, he wouldn't have said a word to you. But yeah. because of you got your government representative clothing on, you know, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't no, get care it. for the government so it. much, you know. But, uh, uh, well, listen, I know you've got a, a, a ridiculously busy schedule. Uh, you pro- your driver's probably getting the limo ready to take you to the next spot, living your jet set <laughs> lifestyle. Oh your, yeah, your 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 personal chef's probably got uh, your meal ready to be eaten in the car off to the next stop on your uh, itinerary for the day. But uh, I'm I, I, on beans and uh, and tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I uh, you know when I worked in Detroit, I worked in the Southwest section, which has got a very large Hispanic population, and all I really knew about. Uh, you know, like Mexican style food prior to working in that neighborhood was Taco Bell. So my eyes and my culinary tastes were expanded dramatically within the first six months. Like now, (laughs) yeah, like, uh, but it become, it became so good to me that like when I see people advertising street tacos now, I'm like, those aren't street tacos. What are, that's flour tortillas. Get the hell out of here with that, you know? <laughs> that's a crime. <laughs> Where's the onions and cilantro, and why is there sour yeah. cream on this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Culture diversity there, Jay. Oh, yeah, Culture yeah. Diversity. You know, and uh, the funny thing is, uh, and I'll just say this and uh, let you get on with your day, but I found throughout the course of my career that once I learned how to talk to people, yeah, I, I guess you could say maybe not necessarily on their level, but like uh, removing everything else out of it and just talking to them from one human being to another, 
Yes. I, it just, it's smooth sailing at that point. Now you're always going to run across those people that no matter what you do or how you talk to them, they're just going to treat you like garbage. They're just, right. but the vast majority of people that I come across now that I've slowly learned the right way to talk to people, God, I can, uh, somebody that hated my guts five minutes ago is thanking me for coming to their house and offering to make me Christmas cookies, you know? So that's, em that's emotional intelligence that, that we need early on. Yeah. Just that right there, uh, which to me is more valuable than knowledge as far as book work. Yeah. It's much more, much more valuable. Yeah. Um, if you, you can, you can taking be, a test and scoring a hundred. Yeah. You, you got you, this has to, everything we do is people. When yeah. I do dog training, I love people more than dogs. And I make that an effort. I have, when I do public speaking, I love people more than, than that check that I'm getting. And they, people are not stupid. They feel it. Right. They feel it. And no, no dog is going to refer me to somebody. Hell no, <laughs> they're not going to. But the owner will. Right. And I need to, and, and if I can help the, the owner, I can, the ripple effect in him with another dog. Or him training somebody else. I mean, you got to make people your number one. I know a lot of people say they love dogs more than people, but they're losing the main ingredient of a successful relationship to last a long time. It is people. Yeah. Yeah. For safety absolutely. reasons for you. Yeah. I mean, it is a safety reason. You want to you wanna leave an impression on this individual, even if you arrest them for the next time you have to arrest them. Yeah. Or you want to leave an impression on this individual um, so the next time you encounter them, it's not dangerous. You develop right. a positive relationship. And that's that's more important than, than anything. Yeah, and on, a, uh, on top of that, if you take the time to actually sit down and talk to somebody, kind of like what we're doing right here, you never know what the hell you're going to learn. You know, oh, there's a... Man, there's a, there's I, you a, know, one of the things I do, when I used, I used to live in Flint, Chad, and I used to run downtown Flint. And I used to stop and talk to bums. You should see the knowledge that they have oh, on yeah. street survival. Yeah. It'll blow you away how they survive. Yeah. But I took that onto my, one of my presentations. It, 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 there's prostitutes, same thing. I didn't mm. want to get caught too much talking to prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I asked a few questions here and there. Sure. You know, and yeah. they gave me some great information. I remember... My brother, you know, saying the best friends you want when, if you're a cop is a bum and a prostitute. Yep. They know everything that's going on in the yeah, well, street. And they're always out there. And they're always, always. out there. Yep. So, and, and, we, and we often minimize them because of what they're, what, you know, what they are. Same with a janitor. We often minimize it, but they're the same thing. They know everything that's going on in the building because oh, yeah. they're everywhere. And, but we minimize that job. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think some of that is, uh, you know, societal driven, you know, uh, uh, well, we value, you know we value money and jobs more important than people. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it, we can form implicit biases by many reasons, but we, we, we really do. I, I had a, um, I went to a company that was having a really hard time with motivation. Everybody was just down I asked the person that nobody talked to, they isolated her because of the way she looked. She wasn't very attractive. She wasn't very fit. And I went to her, she knew everybody's issue. 
Yep. In fact, people were talking about their problems in front of her and they didn't even know she existed, yep. that she was there. That's how bad she was treated. She solved everybody's problems <laughs> afterwards. But everybody, this, because they would talk about problems and they just pretended like she wasn't there because they didn't like her, is right. what I'm saying. Sure. And she knew everybody's problems and she knew what was going on. Yep. It was amazing what she knew because everybody discontinued her, discounted yep. her. Yeah, it's crazy. And she was the most valuable person in that building. <laughs> but the yeah. CEO didn't see it that way until I told him. I yeah. said, listen, she knows more than everybody. And this is why. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you got to run, but uh, why don't you like, uh, what's, the, what's the website? Uh, I have a several. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you two. Okay. Uh, Hectorspeaks.com. And first class dog training. First class dog training. I, I remember that from, uh, God, well over 10 years ago now. Ago. <laughs> first yeah, class dog right. training. Hey, I still got a picture of you and your dog, by the way. Really? You're holding him back and him almost nailing me. No way. God, I still have, I have it on my wall. Is there, you, uh, now, I, like I said, I know you're, you're about to jump in the limo and, and, fire up the jet set lifestyle but if you remember is there a way you can just take a snapshot of that and send it to me oh absolutely i'm trying to think was it, is your dog named bear was that what was that what his name was oh no that's uh that that wasn't me that was uh um nation nation but what was your what was your dog's name jack check jack jack yeah um, that wasn't the one that I that I gave you, was it? Yeah, that was a different Jack. Nope, nope. Because we started off with the female, uh, yes. and the handler protection just wasn't going to work out. And then we went to uh, went to Jack, to Jack, and he was, he ah. was okay. The, he was about the size of a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I was wrong. That other dog was uh, um, was uh, Nation's dog. Yeah, that's what okay. I thought. Yeah. But I got pictures of Jack somewhere. I just have to look. Okay. <laughs> that dog was big. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thanks for uh, uh, thanks for giving me the time to talk and and uh, uh, kind of explain to me a little bit more about what it is you're doing. And I can't wish you enough success going forward. And uh, you know, I'm going to reach out. I don't really know anybody at the Discovery Channel, but I think you're prettier than Caesar Milan. So let's see if we can't get you on the, uh... <laughs> I will never be a slave. <laughs> I'm <right> where I'm <laughs> at. <laughs> Thank you, Jed. All, right. All right, sir. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I will talk to you Thank later. You. Thank you. Bye-bye.